Hello and welcome to Meiwei's Chinese Medicine Matters podcast, where we share traditional Chinese medicine news, research, and topics relevant to TCM practitioners and students. I'm Lauren Koffel, and today's very special episode is a segment from our course titled Lingering Pathogens, which is taught by the internationally renowned William McLean. William McLean is a graduate of the New South Wales College of Natural Therapies with a diploma of traditional Chinese medicine in 1987, and the University of Technology, Sydney, with a Master's of Science in Traditional Chinese Medicine in 2004. Will interned at the Red Cross Hospital in Hangzhou, China, and apprenticed for several years under the renowned Chris Madden. In addition to the Clinical Handbook series, Will is the author of several works on Chinese medicine, including the Clinical Manual of Chinese Herbal Patent Medicines, and the Clinical Handbook of Chinese Herbs. Will has taught widely in Australia, Europe, and the U.S., and while recently retired from nearly 30 years of clinical practice, maintains an ongoing interest in the development of strategies for the understanding and treatment of chronic infection, lingering pathogens, and chronic inflammatory disorders. The idea of lingering pathogens, in my experience, is a very common part of practice and one that's always been underrepresented in the educational component of colleges and schools, basically. When I went through, we weren't taught anything pretty much about what to do when someone had a chronic pathogenic invasion of some sort. We all learned about the Wenbing and the Shanghan Lun, but largely this was uh, in reference to more acute disorders, coughs and colds, fevers, that sort of thing. Um, so lingering pathogens is uh, an area that's very dear to my heart and I think one of the areas that Chinese medicine does particularly well in fact. Um, I would consider this to be one of our real strong points. I started out in uh, a hot sort of humid part of Australia on the coast where we have very hot humid summers uh, lots of sort of damp heat type problems, fevers, stomach upsets, this sort of stuff. I was there for about five or six years and then I moved back into the city where I was in a specialty chronic fatigue practice, a big multidisciplinary practice in Sydney, where pretty much every patient had what was diagnosed then as chronic fatigue syndrome. So for a number of years, pretty much my entire patient base was people with this particular problem. And interestingly enough, you know, in, this was in the mid-90s. In the mid-90s, there were so many people presenting with the diagnosis of chronic fatigue syndrome. It seemed to be this big epidemic, which was why this particular practice was set up. Now, I hardly ever see anyone with that diagnosis. Now, I don't know if it's the same in this country, but it seems to have been this wave that came through in the 90s. Maybe the diagnosis has changed, fibromyalgia or something like that. But no one ever comes anymore with that particular diagnosis. So People still have the same sorts of problems, but they call it something different now. Um, after that, I moved the practice up into the Blue Mountains where I live at the moment. 
which is west of Sydney, and it's quite high and it's very cold. We have very cold winters with snow and it's extremely dry. So quite a different environment altogether. And the point of this is that, you know, what you see in clinic really depends on the environment that you live in. And that has a big influence on the types of pathogens that you're likely to encounter. The sorts of patients that I used to see on the central coast where it was quite hot and humid are very different to the ones that I see now in the Blue Mountains where it's cold and, uh, and dry on the whole. So lots more yang deficiency type problems or problems that are complicated by yang deficiency. So if someone does end up with a lingering pathogen of some sort, it often goes in quite a different uh, direction in terms of you know, how the whole process evolves. So it's very interesting to make a note of the, the physical differences, the environmental differences that you're likely to come across. But my clinical experience is based on where I live, which is different to where you live, presumably. You know, Sydney and San Francisco share a kind of similar latitude. So I presume that the climactic features and the types of illnesses will be on sort of a par. There are lots of problems that we have to deal with that are due to some type of pathogenic influence that for some reason isn't cleared from the body in an appropriate and timely fashion. Now some of these are very common like hepatitis for example, HIV, which I hardly ever see patients with I have to say, quite a few patients with hepatitis, lots of glandular fever, Epstein-Barr. We don't have Lyme disease in Australia thankfully but I have a number of patients who spend time going backwards and forwards and some of them have got Lyme disease from being over here. Ross River fever, which is quite a common one in Australia. It's a tropical virus and it started off in the Ross River region of northern Queensland, which is like Columbia or something like that. Um, but interestingly, with global warming, it's now moving further south all the time and it started to appear outside of Sydney. So you can really start to see the differences in you know, how uh, climate change is starting to influence the environment. And then the obvious things like, you know, candida perhaps. These can all be detected basically. They're detected serologically. We can do various tests and determine that there has been in fact some pathogenic influence. There are lots of others that you think might be due to a pathogen of some sort, but something's never found. They do blood tests or stool tests or whatever it might be, and they're all no abnormality detected. This is quite a common finding in the chronic fatigue that I mentioned before. Although there is a suspicion that there is some type of virus involved in many patients, but nothing has ever been conclusively shown. There's a whole bunch of other conditions that may not so obviously be associated with a lingering pathogen. Many childhood disorders are due to lingering pathogens of various types. This is an area that I'm not directly involved with, but my wife, Catherine, who's also a practitioner, um, deals with children basically hers is a paediatric practice and she sees patients all the time with all sorts of different uh, problems that wouldn't necessarily be thought of as being due to some pathogenic influence ADHD you know various behavioral problems sleep disturbances all sorts of things like this which children are, are very prone to skin rashes allergies which can be traced back to some type of lingering pathogen. Occasionally associated with immunisation, but sometimes associated with other treatments uh, that the children might get for a lot of those common childhood illnesses. 
Now these problems can be a bit overwhelming. You know, pretty much every bug in the world, if it's not cleared from the body in a particular fashion, can be a, end up being a lingering pathogen. Um, and the presentation can be very diverse with lots of different, you know, the longer you go on with these sorts of things, the more complex things become. You get changes in the homeostasis of the body to adapt to this new equilibrium, increasing levels of various types of deficiencies. So we get quite complicated mixes of excess and deficiency within the same patient. And overall, a very satisfying framework for really getting a handle on exactly how to analyse these pathogens hasn't been clearly outlined, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is that there's no coherent system that identifies clearly what pathogen is involved, where it is, and then exactly what you do about it once you identified it very clearly. Now, Liu Baoyi, who was writing The End of the Qing Dynasty, a very interesting chap, uh, responsible for reviving the idea of the lurking pathogen. He lamented in the late 1800s that nowadays people all put Ye Tian Shi, the author of the Wen Bing, the Wen Rolong, on a pedestal and just shelve the idea of a lingering pathogen and never mention it. Whenever they run into a warm pathogen, no matter whether it's a sudden exposure or lurking, they simply use Ye's light cooling method. And, and Yin Chao San or Sang Ju Yin just flow off their brush. So basically they're all just doing the same thing in a sort of a rote fashion. There's no one to put forward the theory of deep-lying pathogens. They even see it as some weird theory. And he goes on to say, what a pity. It's such a common illness, especially in the south of China, where he was working. It's recorded in the Neijing, the Nanjing and the Shanghan Lun, and is not some weird theory. But it had never been clearly outlined as to how to deal with this group of problems. A framework hadn't been thrown down and made very, very clear, so it was neglected somewhat. So Liu Baoyi was quite influential in reviving the concept and giving it some legitimacy and credibility again. Um, and his statements definitely echo my experience. And as I said, where you live has an influence. So, you know, in my practice, I would estimate that I see maybe four or five patients a week with what I would diagnose as a lingering pathogen of some sort. So essentially, a lingering pathogen can be the result of an actual pathogenic invasion of some bug that's not cleared from the body for some reason. And there is all sorts of reasons that this happens now. Probably always did. It can also be, uh, this is the result of an actual pathogenic invasion can be uh, things that you know, are very clear. Someone gets sick, they go and get a blood test and something's detected. It can be serologically and symptomatically detected. A lingering pathogen can also have been something that was once present but has diminished to a certain extent. And so it just pops up every now and then. This is quite common as well. Someone had something maybe years ago and every time they get run down or they get stressed out or something happens in their life, they get an echo of the initial illness. This is quite interesting. Um, so regardless of what the initial illness might have been, a stomach upset or a cough or a fever or whatever it was, 
the moment they get run down, then they experience similar symptoms, perhaps muted, but they recognise it as being the same thing that they had. Very clearly a, uh, an expression of a pathogen that's never been gotten rid of properly. It could also be something that's, that you suspect is due to a lingering pathogen, but can't be detected with a blood test or a stool test, but the patient has never been well since. Now this is really common. This is probably the most common uh, expression of a lingering pathogen. They get a bug of some description and they never really get over it. They might recover a bit, but they're never right again. Now, in the definition that we're talking about today, a lingering pathogen can also be the result of some other exposure to a toxic or chemical process. So occasionally I see patients who have had chemotherapy, for example, chemotherapy or radiotherapy, and they end up with what looks to all intents and purposes like a lingering pathogen, this ongoing uh, illness with fevers and you know, swollen glands and this, that and the next thing. Um, and it was associated with some type of toxicity, a poisoning of some sort, which has left them with the traces of this lingering pathogenic insult. So what we need is a more focused, more precise model. We need a more practical framework, which enables us to precisely identify what type of pathogen we're dealing with and where in the body it is exactly. And also we need an idea of what happens when you start to dislodge it. And this is the other very important aspect because very often we'll find when we're dealing with a chronic illness of some sort, we end up in situations where we've got lots of different homeostatic mechanisms at work. The equilibrium point gets set quite differently. So very often it's not just a matter of giving something to the patient or some treatment of some sort and having everything resolve. It's a matter of tracking where this particular bug or whatever it is goes as it starts to make its way out of the system. And in practice, we often find that patients will present with a particular problem, we begin a treatment, things move in a particular fashion, which can sometimes be quite alarming for the patient. But if you know what you're doing, can present a terrific opportunity because getting a pathogen out very often means bringing them out through different parts of the body, through different layers. So you've got to be able to have a good idea of where something might go. So if your patient comes back after a period of time and says, oh, I'm a lot worse, I've got this, this and this going on, you can go, oh, okay, well, it's gone from this point to this point. This is terrific. Yeah. We're making progress. Next time round, this is likely to happen, and then this is likely to happen, and then you'll be better, or whatever it might be. So it gives us a much more firm foundation to be able to predict the course of a, a treatment, and then to inform the patient as to what's going to happen, so that you know they've got some confidence in your abilities to make a claim as to how things are likely to progress. Okay, so this particular framework already exists, thankfully. A much more precise way of thinking about things. And it already exists in the Shanghan Lun and the Wen Bing. But it's never been put together in a way that gives it 
a coherent uh, framework for lingering pathogens. Even though, as it turns out, both of those books are predominantly concerned with what happens when a pathogen doesn't get out, isn't resolved early on. Now again, I'm not familiar with the American education system, but certainly in Australia, where Chinese medicine education is all at university level now, um, it's not taught properly at all. The Shanghan Lun and the Wen Bing generally are given very brief time and they're usually predominantly defined as how you deal with acute illnesses, coughs and colds, you know, acute fevers, that sort of thing. When as it turns out, the bulk of their intent is the opposite. It's what happens when those things aren't resolved properly. So the only acute aspects are really in the Shanghan Lun, the Tai Yang and the Yang Ming. The Xiao Yang can be acute, but much more commonly it's a very chronic problem. And once we get into the yin levels, the Tai Yin, Xiao Yin, the Jui Yin, we're talking seriously chronic problems. These are not acute. And similarly with the Wen Bing, the Qi level is often acute. Everyone knows Yin Chao San for a Wei level problem. But what happens when it's in the Qi level? Well, often it's acute, but much more commonly it's chronic or a post-acute problem. And once we're into the yin and blood, they are almost always chronic. I mean, I hardly ever have seen in my entire career a patient with an acute yin or blood level problem. They're in hospital. They've got meningococcal meningitis and they're hooked up to drips and you know, if they don't die, then you know, we might see them. But it's such an acute illness that that's not our province really anymore. However, we do see lots of well, not lots, but we do see a number of patients with those deeper level problems, which are very complicated very often and very chronic. Um, and we have in this system ways of analysing them much more efficiently than we once did. So the simple definition that I'm proposing is that a lingering pathogen can be defined as a pathogen that is localised to a very specific location as described by either the Shanghan Lun or the Wen Bing. We don't really, I don't really worry too much about the other system that we also know from the literature, the Sun Jiao system, because it's sort of incorporated within the Wen Bing system. The Shanghan Lun and the Wen Bing contain all of the information that we need to make this uh, analysis complete. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you would like to learn more about lingering pathogens, consider taking the full lingering pathogens course with William McLean. Information and links where you can purchase and access the course are in the episode description. And please subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support and to hear when our next episode comes out. In our upcoming episode, Dr. Sky Sturgeon will talk about three formulas for food stagnation. Until then, take good care of yourself and your patients. Chinese medicine matters, and so do you. Hi everyone, Lauren here again, wishing you a happy and healthy May. As many of you know, Chinese Medicine Matters is the podcast of Mayway Herbs, a TCM online store and dispensary where practitioners can ship directly to their patients. This month on Chinese Medicine Matters, we're focusing on women's health, 
will explore a wide array of topics related to women's health at different stages of life. So stay tuned for informative episodes you won't want to miss. And we're excited to offer a special discount on our Women's Health Formulas category the entire month of May. Practitioners use code WOMEN24 at checkout on mayway.com to receive a 15% discount. And remember to sign up for the Mayway Herbs newsletter for exclusive content and ongoing promotions. The episode description includes a link to sign up. And thanks again for tuning in and supporting Real Chinese Medicine.